Mythos Busters, investigating the mystery, monsters, and madness of Arkham Horror, the card game. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Miskatonic AV Club. Uh, we are doing our Miskatonic Museum. It's a Mythos review. Busters production, Scott. Oh my god. <laughs> you know what? You do it, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're keeping this. This is live. Oh god, okay. It's a Mythos Busters production. Thank you, Sean. Uh, with me, I have Ian. Ian? Or we did. Or we did. Oh, no. Uh, I'm Scott, oh, and the guy who totally ruined the intro was Sean. Hi, I do that. Yeah. I, I do it when I, when I do the intro, too, so it seems only fair. Mm, fair. I, I feel like I should have something crunchy to chew every time you go to talk. <laughs> but, yeah, so yeah. Miskatonic museum ah what a pack our first what, what a pack. our first pack that actually came out not a what do you call it a, a deluxe set or anything um so we're mythos not pack is a, i think the official term it is uh we're not going to divide this into different classes or anything because there's it it would be like a bunch of you know 10 minute videos so yeah uh so ian are you with uh, us yeah I hope so. Oh, there you hey. are, Ian. Ian, do you want to start us <laughs> off, seeing as you are the roguish player? Sure. So our first card is Contraband. It's a four-cost event with a will and an intellect pip. has the supply and the ever-popular illicit trait. Mm. Choose an asset controlled by investigator at your location. Double the number of ammo or supply tokens on the asset. It may not be legal, but it gets the job done. Does it, though, is the real question. <laughs> it would if I actually included it in my deck. <laughs> <laughs> so, need your correction for me. Like, it's four cost. Yep, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the issue with this one for me is you have to have it, you have to be able to afford it, and you have to have enough uses left on that thing that you already have in play and presumably are already using. For this to be worth paying for mm -hmm. and that's a big ask i think yeah i mean the dream is to have this plus whatever you're gonna play in your hand at the same time but one that rarely happens well i guess theoretically again i haven't actually included it in my deck but <laughs> theoretically i imagine that probably doesn't happen that often just given probability and second that's just a ton of resources. Like, say you do 45 in Contraband, that's eight right there. Um, I don't know. You might as well just play another 45 later if that's what you're going to use it for. Yeah, see and that. again, that's all assuming that you play them back-to-back -back or yep. before you use any of the ammo on your 45. But, you know, it turns out monsters kind of show up from time to time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well, um, Contraband. Like, why not just include another a copy? And then I think one of the arguments people could say is, well, what if you don't have a second copy? It's like, well, there's probably a different card you could sub in that will do a better job than what contraband's. Probably for cheaper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, because theoretically you could like double flashlights or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I guess the idea is this is like another copy of that key card, but I don't know. Maybe this is one for the future. Maybe we'll get one or maybe for those big like Widowmaker weapons that mm. you are using. That's something. But like still, a lightning gun? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But again, you run into the resource issue, which granted, rogues have resources, but not that many resources. I think there you also run into a very specific investigator issue because some of the big bomb weapons that you'd love to play this on are, so far at least, kind of locked down to Guardian. Mm -hmm. Zoe's looking at this. Um, Who Zoe's looking at this. Does kind of make money, but not, not like rogues do. Yeah, I think this one is one to keep an eye on because there might be a fun combo that this this feeds the fuel of. And maybe in the future, in, in distant Arkham land, every investigator has a decent resource engine and resources are just in general less expensive. Mm-hmm. So maybe then this gets good. Yeah. Get good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sean, you want to read Adaptable? Oh, do I? <laughs> oh, wait, no. I should read this because of what card is next. Um, oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> okay. So Adaptable is an asset uh, that costs one experience and no uh, resource cost because it is a talent and it has the permanent keyword. In between each game of a campaign, you may swap up to two level zero cards out of your deck in exchange for an equal number of level zero cards. You must still follow all deck building rules for your this is a cool So card. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually recuse myself from discussion on this card because I'm in my current play, just cheating with everyone and basically <laughs> adapting everyone because I never keep decks assembled and then I'll play a campaign up to current and mm-hmm. then disassemble and then I don't, I don't know, I don't have a good way to, to keep control of decks. Um, so yeah, I haven't actually used this one in its actual context yet. Mm. Ian, have you used it much? I've definitely used it in my Jenny campaign so far. Uh, and I like it. I think... I don't know. I think where I might not like it as much is if, like, I've played the whole campaign before and I know what's coming and I can kind of chart my trajectory. But if, like, is the case right now, I'm just kind of blindly going through my campaign. I like having the option of swapping out um, cards that are proving not as useful or... Um, because <laughs> what actually happens in practice is say I play my Ashcan Peak campaign first, for instance, and then I'm going to play Jenny next. I happen to know what's going to happen in the next scenario. And with Adaptable, I can go ahead and switch in some key cards that might help with whatever their particular problems with that scenario are. Um, so I don't know. And, and I guess I don't have enough hubris to believe that I'm going to build the most perfect version of that <laughs> deck the first time out at the beginning of the campaign. So I like having the option of correcting my mistakes later on for for no cost or reduced cost. I'm uh, I'm finding I, I've tried this deck like I I'm kind of like Sean where I'll just play like up to current and then disassemble a deck, play another up to current or whatnot. Um, but I'm finding I tried this uh, in one deck. It was a uh, or sorry, Jenny deck, um, and I tried to do it on a blind run, and I was not super impressed because I'm like, well, what's coming next? What should I adapt to? Um, but I can totally see this once a campaign's out, and you know what level zero cards might just be killer in one 
uh, scenario and not be so much in another. I I found it way more adaptable in that sense. <laughs> uh, one thing I will note too, because uh, this is you know the rule rule guy, uh, if you upgrade adaptable in that same upgrading phase, if you want to call it that, you can then use adaptable's power. So you can pay that one XP and then swap two level zero cards in that same in-between scenario phase. So assuming you're doing it, you're still saving yourself an XP overall. Yeah, essentially, yeah, you're saving one XP for that little swap, and then every other swap from then on out is just gravy. Yeah, and I, I think another good point that Chris raised in the chat is about that I often use it to add in cards from whatever new pack is coming out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you guys need permission to do that? <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a thing in this game that uh, we get new player cards of the level zero <laughs> uh, with each usually with each new scenario, and sometimes those cards are good, and you want to switch them out, switch them in without having to start over your campaign or be a dirty cheater like sean so <laughs> yeah full disclosure that's totally cheating <laughs> and <laughs> oh, i yeah. do it all the time <laughs> happily yep how else do you play new cards if you're locked down to the same deck yo oh you just play five more different campaigns yep yep um, <laughs> sean yeah not, not a whole lot to add on adaptable except yeah it's just it's a metagame card mm -hmm. it seems cool though I don't know. Like to me, this seems like the best use of this ability. Sorry, I thought I didn't have much to add, but I have one more thought. Uh, the best use of this ability seems to me like like for multiplayer in specialized decks because mm -hmm. I think you've got more room to swap out if you know what's coming. Because in in kind of solo, you're kind of generalized anyway, so you kind of need to keep a little bit of everything in your deck between scenarios, regardless of what the next scenario is. At least at this point. And uh, the sad thing is, I think, I don't know that rogues, at least now, are are really specialist. It's a specialist class. Like, I suppose you can build a really fighty Jenny, but I don't think, you know, unlike Guardians or, or Seekers, I suppose, that really kind of scream for specialization. That's, uh, that's of much use as yet. Mm -hmm. You want to continue delving into these cards with the, uh, the next one here? Too greedily and too deep. Oh boy, guys. Ah. So, uh, arguably the best card in the game at the moment. We have Delve Too Deep, which is a one-cost mystic event, level zero. Uh, it has the insight trait, for whatever that might matter in the future. In player order, each investigator draws one card from the top of the encounter deck, then add Delve Too Deep to the victory display. And why does that matter, you might ask? Well, this is a player card with one victory point on it. And, you know, I, I don't blame people when you see this, to, yeah, that they might be a little bit afraid. Mm -hmm. Might be a little, a little timid in playing this card. And I don't think every investigator can handle it. I think you do also risk garnering some group ire if you just bring this to a pickup multiplayer game. <laughs> but that being said, when I've included this, I, at this point in the card pool, I am actively running out of things to spend XP on. Legit. I have this in every Agnes build. I have this in Jim. I have this. I, I even put this in my uh, higher education Daisy build because I was feeling really saucy. Oof. And, uh, and, oh, God, you know who this is really good in? Zoe. Yeah, she's really good yeah. at taking care of the encounter deck. 
She sure is. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This this has come through for me in every way that I hoped it would, and the ability to just enhance your deck for the future. You're basically you're drawing encounter cards to become more powerful in later games. Mm -hmm. Now the real question is when do you take it out of your deck? Because I haven't done that yet. <laughs> uh, after scenario seven. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I think you kind of have to take Gandalf's uh, advice or retrospective on how the dwarves did their delving because <laughs> they dug too deep too fast. Um, and you have to be very careful with how you use this card. I think much of the chagrin <laughs> that comes from people using this <laughs> card comes from people being like, I've got a free action, and then just play, you know, plays it, and everyone else is not quite ready for it. I think it's a very strong card. And I think people, if you're playing in a group, to be like, okay, someone's running Delve, maybe two people are running Delve, and it's just like, okay, we have to be very careful when we use it, and almost prepare and be like, okay, maybe this turn is the turn we, we Delve, or even double Delve, because the person playing Delve is the first you're going that turn and then everyone else has their turns to deal with whatever comes off the encounter deck i think it's it'd be an error to play it you know last action of the last player and just be like hey let's just have a double mythos phase yeah i think this was the card that i was initially kind of scared of but um <clears throat> it's still a little bit scary and i think it does depend on investigator i guess the dream is that you can do this like right before you resign or everyone resigns so does it really matter uh, but I think in general, it rewards uh, you if you are kind of aware of what are the cards that will completely mess you up and then counter deck and how many are left and then counter deck and just that kind of scenario awareness, I guess, if you want to call it. So you can calculate those odds and be like, well, you know, half this deck left is stuff that could really hurt me. I probably shouldn't delve too deep right now versus like, well, there's one card in the here that can do it and then at that point you have to decide you know if you're feeling lucky that day or not yeah yeah and definitely i think more than anything when you're playing this card you have to be very very cognizant of of your board state and your situation and you know like you said the cards that are in the encounter deck what could come out what could you handle? What could you not? What are the odds on that one card that could wreck you coming out? Do you have word of protection in your hand? Mm -hmm. uh, you know all those sorts of things, but one of my favorite things is uh, any any scenario that ends generally with the investigators resigning. One of my favorite things to do is just sit on one or two of these for most of the game, get to the end of the scenario, camp on the uh, the, resign uh, the resign location. Action one, delve too deep. Action two, delve too deep. Resign. Yeah, <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> I guess the other thing I'll say too is generally I've found the current campaign pretty XP light for the most part mm -hmm. in most scenarios uh, with a couple notable exceptions uh, like the museum. Um, so I think that has also shifted my opinion on Delve Too Deep a bit more that if you really want to upgrade your deck a lot, you kind of need to do a little extra to make it happen in a lot of cases because the scenarios aren't given out that much for the most part. The ancient ones help those who help themselves. <laughs> right on. Ian, you want to read uh, Song of the Dead? 
Sure. So the next one is also Mystic. This is Song of the Dead, an asset, two cost, level two, with one will pip. It is a spell, and it is a song. It uses five charges, action, spend one charge to fight. This attack uses will. Instead of combat, you get plus one will for this attack. If a skull symbol is revealed during this attack, this attack deals plus two damage, and it takes up an arcane slot. So a knife that you hold in the arcane slot that costs you XP and one more than knife and has charges. That's that's a (laughs) terrible way to describe this card. I know. (laughs) But I don't disagree. Um, This is, I don't know, I I find this one to be just like a nice supplement. Like shriveling is kind of your mystic bread and butter if you want to use your willpower to fight. And this Mm. one's kind of nice to have in between. If you've got that enemy down to one hit point, you don't want to waste that last shriveling charge with overkill, then yeah, Song of the Dead's a nice thing to have out. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, that skull will pop out, and you can just be happy about it. <laughs> I think if you're, uh, depending on the scenario, um, if you're playing one of the standalones, I think it's Carnival has three skulls in it. Um, the odds are a bit better for that extra damage, or if you have Grotesque Statue out, so you have a better mm-hmm. chance of drawing a skull, it's, it's pretty neat. Um, I'm not a huge fan of paying 2 XP for a nice-to-have card, not a need-to-have card. That's that's kind of my my one challenge to this card. Um, I, I do like that it is essentially a knife uh, for those with high willpower, um, like Agnes, like Daisy. She can take this as well. That maybe don't excel in combat, so they can you know get rid of an Acolyte or rats in general i'm kind of middle of the ground on this card yeah i i agree with everything you guys said i guess the issue the biggest issue for me is i do like it as an auxiliary card um kind of a supplement that lets you kind of take care of weaker enemies but the strange thing about it is that's kind of what seems the ideal use but then it's quote-unquote special powers to deal like a crap ton of damage if you get lucky (laughs) (laughs) so most often you're going to be using this against those little weenie enemies but then you know if you happen to hit the three damage it's like okay that's nice i mean i guess this is like when you're left with nothing else and because you're never ever going to be depending on the kind heart of the chaos bag right (laughs) so Yeah, it's I, I guess, kind of a weird spot in that way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess in the future, if we get more stuff that lets you manipulate tokens, then potentially. I don't know. It's not bad. It's just. Also, takes a supplement slot, which I feel is in a lot of decks that would take this is kind of. Except for Daisy. I'm like, well, unless you're playing Spellcaster Daisy with. Like, yeah. What's the, the permanent one? Higher Ed. Yeah, Higher Ed. There we go. Um,. Yeah, it takes up a arcane Which is slot. the best Daisy build, by the way. Oh my goodness. Just, just throwing it out there. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. As long as you can get through that first scenario. Um, yes, yes. Like for someone like Agnes taking Song of the Dead, it's like, well, do you really want to risk clogging up one of her arcane slots? That, that's my big challenge on this one. Yep. It's fine. It's I, all right. It costs two XP. It doesn't ask a whole lot. Mm-hmm. It's all right. I think if you're going to use it, you should have a plan on how to use it. Um, speaking uh-huh. of which, there is the Seeker event, uh, three-cost event with uh, <laughs> zero XP, uh, one intellect, and one combat pip. Uh, I've got a plan. Uh, insight and tactic. 
And he has the action Fight. This attack uses Intellect. You deal plus one damage for this attack. Each, for each clue, you have max plus three damage. That's the worst plan I've ever heard. Well, what are we waiting for? Sounds Game like... <laughs> changer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been trying to do some solo rec stuff, and this makes it quite viable. Um, it's a little bit expensive, but Seekers are not always that poor, especially if you got Milan Christopher out there. Um, you you kind of have to work on balancing your clues. Uh, but the ability, the ability to use a stat that you probably have five or six in uh, to do four damage is insane. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just kind of <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 really all there is to say. <laughs> it, it's it's such a big difference in uh, Seeker's play because Seeker generally has a fair amount of card draw, so presumably you can find this fairly early and sit on it till you need it. And the the ability, yeah, God, the ability of Seekers to deal with big enemies from Dunwich Legacy to this pack, like I, I, they're just different investigators now. Mm -hmm. You can play them solo and not be constantly afraid of things. Yeah, and it's also nice to have in multiplayer's like you know, cleanup duty, taking out an enemy that. That's giving the the beefier characters problems, or that happens to be in your section of the map. Like I find it's handy for even the big cleavers to have a couple of tricks up their sleeves for those situations. Hmm. And this is kind of like the seeker backstab, I guess, with variable damage. Um, but it comes in a class that doesn't have access to a lot of other fighty stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. A, definitely a key card. And, and a think... class that's likely going to be stacked up on clues as it is. Yeah, yep. especially in multiplayer, right? Like it's you're gonna have sometimes six, eight clues. Awesome, you're full up. Uh, Ian, you want to read? Pa oh no, who's next? Sean Pathfinder. Pathfinder <laughs> is uh, I don't know, maybe the jewel of this pack. I suppose we'll get there. So it's a three cost seeker asset, level one. Has an agility pip, a talent trait. And a free triggered action during your turn, if you are not engaged with any enemies, exhaust Pathfinder, move to a connecting location. This is incredibly what strong. Is this card? <laughs> what Put is this card? Dad. End of story. <laughs> it's so good in solo. It's so good in multiplayer. I mean, solo, you're not going to have a lot of enemies because you're only drawing one card a turn. Multiplayer, you probably have someone else, you know, picking off enemies for you if you're that the nerdy class, you know, getting all the clues and not really doing much combat. Like, pay three for a free action each turn. And it's not unique or limit one for investigator, guys. Yeah. You can have two Pathfinders on the board, and you should. I played a, uh, I... a multiplayer with Rex, um, and we were playing Carnival, and I mean, the number of laps, I, I got two Pathfinders out within the first two turns, and the amount of laps <laughs> he was doing of the the Carnival map, like it was ridiculous. But it it I mean it's exactly what you want in your clue finder: the ability to quickly get yourself into position to camp down on that location and just go hungry, hungry hippos. Mm -hmm. And the fewer actions you have to spend moving to get there, the more actions you have to get clues and do other things. So, I there's there's just nothing wrong with this card. Mm -hmm. Except for, you know, you just have to beat your first scenario first because it costs an XP. But not a big ask. But one XP, that is, it's dirt cheap. 
Oh, yeah, and Chris points out in, in the chat a good point. So Roland also, of course, can take this, and it's good for him because if he doesn't have an enemy, he wants an enemy. So you mm -hmm. can move to an enemy if you don't have one. So it's kind of like, I don't know, shoring up a little bit of a weakness for him, I guess. <clears throat> I feel like I mean, actions are one of the most valuable things in the game, and so to get it for one XP and three costs, that's pretty amazing. That you're essentially, in a lot of cases, getting an extra free action a turn. Yeah, and solo, this card is a winner. Multiplayer, it's good too, but solo, you're basically getting a free action every turn, or darn near close to it. So, play, play the card. Mm -hmm. Put, put it indexed. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ian, you want to read oops? <laughs> oops, <laughs> um, oops is a two cost event, two combat pips, the fortune trait. So that means someone like Rex can't access it. Um, fast play after you fail skill test by two or less while attacking an enemy engaged with you. Deal this attack's damage to a different enemy at your location. And this, this is survivor. one of those Trixie survivor cards that they like to have. I I feel like go ahead. Go on. No, not right. well, like... <laughs> Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Uh, so right now, I'm not quite sure if this one has a place. I've tried it in a couple decks, and I've more often than not ended up checking it for its icons. I've actually never gotten this to trigger. Uh, for you Lord of the Rings players out there, this one's very, uh, very <laughs> reminiscent of Small Target, if you, if you remember that card. Mm -hmm. If you've ever gotten it to work, good on you. Uh, it's a really fun card. I, I love the theme of it. But this requires, I mean, it's, it's kind of an ask. You've got to have two enemies engaged with you. You have to be doing enough damage so that playing this is actually worth your time. And if you're in that position, chances are you're probably going to hit the enemy you're hitting anyway. Um, I don't know. Maybe if we come out with kind of a dedicated fighty survivor, this has got a, a better place. I mean, maybe in, in Evade Tank Wendy. Like, I, maybe? Yeah, but when, yeah, maybe. But like, I'm just trying to. What find is she gonna fight? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like maybe she evades, evades, and then tries a fight skill, knowing that she'll mm. probably fail by two, maybe. But yeah, I think there's probably a really fun build to be had out there, probably four player only, of of kind of a Wendy evade tank that uses Aquina and Oops and and you know things of that ilk. But I've yeah. I've not yet cracked that one. I've tried. I I think I kind of lumped it in with because I feel like there's a few of these survivor events that are more niche designed for special circumstances, and they tend to see more limited play for that. Uh, I think this is definitely a multiplayer card. Like in solo, there's not a lot of times where you're going to have those two enemies at your location, and if there is, it's going to be a problem. I mean, there are definitely situations where that happens, but I guess it's another case of like, how much are you willing to bet that the encounter deck is going to line things nicely up for you? <laughs> mm -hmm. Generally, it's not a good strategy to hope for that. So I think three or four player potentially, like maybe you're attacking an enemy with you that doesn't have retaliate and your real target is like the enemy that does have retaliate at your location, for example. So either you hit the thing that's there or you fail and you're able to do your damage to that other enemy. Um, without having to risk like attacking the retaliate enemy i don't know like that's that's potential uses for it and i think the uses increase with more players and more enemies on the board i feel like uh coming from a competitive 
card game stance. This is kind of one of those cards that's like, when you're not doing so well, maybe this card can help you. But I feel like that argument is often flawed. It's like, well, maybe just do better. Like, don't don't plan to have cards in your deck that are only working if you're not doing well. And I mean, the... this coming from our survivor player. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, I know. But I mean, like, survivor, you can like do the the if you fail kind of build, but you're still planning for that. I think this is like when you're really down and out. It doesn't matter if you're failing or not. Like you're just up the creek without a paddle. I, I just don't like having cards in my deck like that. I like the two combat pips that it does have. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. super niche. Yeah, I think the difference with this and the more kind of staple survivor cards is, like Scott said, that there's you can plan for it more consistently, like something like Liquid I Found or, or even Lucky, obviously, whereas this is you need too many ducks in a row to make it happen consistently, and that's always a dangerous game. Yeah, it requires such specific positioning. Yeah. And even then, even if you get all the positioning right, it might not even be worth it. The enemy you have with you might be the, you know, higher higher hit point one, and you, the one you are able to hit is rats. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, okay, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, I don't know. I next time okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there. The next time the four of us are actually able to get together and play a Twitch on Octagon, I am gonna throw together a Dodge Tank Wendy deck and I will play two copies of this to see if it is possible. And I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope. I'm just gonna say <laughs> how dare you, sir. That is my role. <laughs> I, Fine, I'm, I'll build it, you play it. Okay. Or we can build it. We can build it's it together. Fine. We just need okay. we just need to see it happen. So speaking of that deck, I think one of the first cards that's going to go in that deck when we upgrade <laughs> is the next Survivor Event Lair. Uh, two resource cost, one XP, with a Wild Pip, Tactic Traded, and it has either, choose one, so Fight, you get plus three combat and deal plus two damage for this attack, and then you exile it, or search the top nine cards of any Investigator's deck for an ally asset and put it into play under your control. Then exile flare. Shuffle the search deck. So we should mention exile for those that don't know. Um, basically, when you exile it, you literally take it out of your deck uh, and put it back in your card collection. It leaves your deck. So when you go to upgrade your deck after this scenario, your this card is not in there. So you either have to pay for it, or you can just put in a level zero card for free to fill its spot. I've found this to be worth the one XP every time, even even with repeated exiles. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes, it's so good. Oh, also, uh, rules guy, you can you can verify this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe the way the rules worded on its second ability, where you're popping the ally into play, yes, because the wording is put an ally into play under your control, then exile flare. If you fail to find an ally in the top nine cards of your deck, mm-hmm. you do not then exile flare because the then is conditional on the successful placing uh, into play of the ally. Yes. Uh, then is a... Which super, is cool. It's a super... Then is a super loaded word in FFG games. So yeah, if the, if the phrase before then isn't successful, then the then doesn't happen. So... Yeah, so you just discard the card instead of exiling it. I mean, it doesn't stay in your hand or anything, but yeah. And then you still have to shuffle the search deck because shuffle doesn't have the then. 
precursor. So. Anyways. Didn't they put in the rules reference that anytime you search a deck, unless otherwise notified, you should shuffle it? I thought that was in there at some point. I think they put in the FAQ, but yeah. I'm not sure. It should be, yeah. Well, we'll tell yeah. you otherwise. <laughs> Maybe not, though, because if you, like, if you, yeah, I'm thinking of scrying, where you can reorganize it, but you're not really searching the top three, you're just... Anyways, Flare, uh, the ally ability is amazing. Honestly, though, the fight can get you out of a, a sticky situation quite well. Like, plus three <laughs> combat, and then you're doing three damage with that attack? That's a good get-out-of-jail free card. Pretty solid. It is. And it's nice having the option. And mm -hmm. both options are potentially game-saving, scenario-saving. So it's nice having that flexibility for sure. And the fact that you just put the ally into play under your control, so you're potentially saving however many resources, the cost of two, the difference between that and whatever the cost of the ally is, that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And this essentially turns into another copy of said ally in your deck. So if you've got yep. a key combo that, that triggers off of having an ally, like I love this in my Agnes deck because it helps me find my level 2P. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah... And I mean, yeah. if you do have your level two Pete in your hand at the start of the game, you get it out. Having that other option for it to be a sudden fight, then I get out of jail free card. Like that, the choice is what makes this card so amazing. Yeah, cool. and and it's also nice in those situations where you're getting up there and you're damage or horror, and it's and you know one of the central roles of an ally is to, to be your meat or brain shield yeah. so it's like i i need you <laughs> and you can take from other people's decks which is awesome yeah that's so, true so oh, i god can... that's right i always always forget about that yeah yeah it doesn't have and to you be... don't even have to have consent and <laughs> and it does they don't even have to be at the same location as you. It's just like pick a deck, search it. Fantastic. Hey Ian, I'm gonna take your Leo now. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> no. I'm gonna I'm, slap your hand over. I'm taking Peter Sylvester. <laughs> All right. And did we ever figure out is this is this Zoe pictured here in her pajama jams? Um She looks like she's got Oshgosh Bagosh on, let's be real. Totally. I love the art though. She could be that maybe, sneaky ghoul coming up behind her. Maybe it's one of the hicks from uh, Dunwich, the slack jawed yokels. <laughs> I, I would know how to work a flare. That's advanced technology. <laughs> uh, I have trouble reading the campaign guide when they go into like the slack jawed yokel speak. Anyways, that's an aside. Sean, would you like? Yeah. To, would you like to put out the dumpster fire that is this podcast? <laughs> I don't think even this next card could accomplish that goal. Uh, but we do have Fire Extinguisher, which is a two-cost level one survivor asset. has an agility pip, has item, tool, and melee traits. has two action abilities. So one, spend an action, fight. You get plus one for this attack. This one could be called similar to knife. Mm -hmm. And other action ability, spend an action, exile, fire extinguisher, evade. You get plus three evade for this test. If you're successful, evade each other enemy engaged with you as well. That's what I have less experience with. I think I threw it in. I threw it in a uh, an Ashcan deck once just to try it out, mm -hmm. and ended up never really using it. I I think you could put this in that Wendy Dodge Tank uh, 
deck mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. that plus three agility now you're what at seven agility just base which is just insane but yeah i don't know because it exiles i mean flare's so good because it does something so amazing this one just does something amazing for a turn I yeah when that's... you exile flare for its damage you're doing three damage you're gonna solve the problem of most enemies in that case when you're mm-hmm. evading you're delaying the problem of those enemies which you know is it has value but it's not the same i mean in the last scenario of the core campaign this could be a game changer but again those those bad guys are still there maybe a one of maybe yeah it seems like a scenario specific type solution um compared to flare which is definitely why i think i'm less hot on this one um but I think, I don't know. Overall, it, it's one of those ones that's going to save your bacon maybe once, and then the other times it's just going to kind of be there. And it's hard to judge the worth of those cards in a lot of cases. But, I mean, you think about what's the uh, five-coster cunning distraction from mm-hmm. the core set. This does something kind of similar for two costs, but then you exile it and you use the one XP, so... I don't know if if I was going to do something along those lines and I really had the need for that cunning distraction, then I would probably go with this one instead because you're not going to use that card every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is uh, something that can give you a little bit of fringe benefit with a plus one combat throughout. Yeah, it's basically cunning distraction with a, with a knife attachment or half a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah quit trying to quit trying to work in knife to everything scott not everything's a knife oh i think that's a knife <laughs> i see you've played knifey spoony before all right ian for that do you want to read emergency aid sure <laughs> with uh. sour bill murray <laughs> <laughs> looks like he had an encounter with a knife as well uh this is a two cost event uh intellect and agility icons insight and science traded choose an investigator at your location heal two damage from that investigator or from an ally asset he or she controls guardian's gonna guard <laughs> I like this card a lot. I think in general, we've talked a bit about healing in other reviews and on the podcast. And like the kind of repeatable healing is good in multiplayer because you can have some actions to spare and you have more targets. But I find, especially for solo, that I really want more burst type healing. Like just play it once, heal more damage. I'm only using one action to heal more damage. And I'd rather just do that because I'm probably not going to be going around wasting a ton of actions healing. I'd rather just do it once. Give me the breathing room and keep going. It doesn't require you to think ahead because I'm super not good at that. (laughs) Yeah, it also doesn't require you to test, which is nice as comparison Mm -hmm. to like medical texts, right? Where you might fail and accidentally stab yourself in the foot, maybe with a knife. (laughs) I will note too that (laughs) it's the knife episode. Um, as a rules aside, you can't split the healing damage. Uh, that was asked to Matt, and he said, no, it's two damage from an investigator or two from an ally. You can't do one and one. So, 
and point of point of interest is this not the first card that we've gotten that explicitly allows you to heal from an ally? Everything else that heals heals from an investigator, correct? Yeah, healing is pretty much investigator only unless specified otherwise. So exactly, emergency aid you can heal Duke something. Yeah, I think anytime I was prior or uh, previously including first aid, this has replaced it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that ability to heal from an ally to. You're still getting the buffer because you can put more damage on them later, but you're also protecting kind of that key card for you. It's really good. Especially in some of those scenarios where a treachery might deal damage, it has to be dealt to allies first. Then this can save this, this can save the bacon of a uh, very specific ally. Although, based on that guy's shoulder, that's kind of kind of looks like bacon, doesn't it? Just, <laughs> a, just a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. an ally that might require some saving... Uh, maybe Brother Xavier, uh, Guardian class asset. He is a 5 cost, 1 XP ally. Um, he's got a willpower pip, and he gives you plus 1 willpower. Uh, Brother Xavier must, may be assigned damage and or horror dealt to other investigators at your location. And then reaction, when Brother Xavier is defeated, deal 2 damage to an enemy at your location. He's got three health and three sanity and takes up the ally slot. Did you know, Scott, that in uh, Soviet Russia, Brother Xavier saves you? Hmm. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> um, especially for someone like Roland, who might need a little sanity sink, plus giving him some extra willpower, plus dealing damage when he dies. Like, that guy's insane. There's a lot to the Brother Xavier package, and I, I, I think I was more lukewarm when I first uh, saw the card, but after using it and experiencing it, it's definitely worthwhile, because even, like, say you're playing solo and the signing damage thing to him doesn't even matter, like, the rest of it is good. Like, you're getting plus a static boost, which I'm a big fan of, mm -hmm. to your will, and then you're getting, like, a three health and three sanity buffer like almost if he's bringing along a bulletproof vest and the elder sign like with him to, to yeah. guard you so it's i don't know just that whole thing gives you a lot of 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 breathing room which gets more important as the campaign goes on uh yeah yeah especially this guy i, I played him I, he's a zoe card i mean he's great in roland don't get me wrong but this guy is so good in zoe especially if you're playing tanky zoe which my builds tend to be mm -hmm. um and he's such a rock star in undimensioned and unseen you know no spoilers but it turns out willpower is kind of important in that quest or scenario rather and oh god yeah there's just so much to this card he's 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 guarding everyone as you would expect and there's really fun strategy that comes into deciding when you pop him mm -hmm. and i'll often forget like oh i could like i could just take yeah, I draw a card, incur attack of opportunity, and deal two damage. And like factoring that into your battle math, it opens up so many options. And I mean, the amount of stats, like Ian, you mentioned it, it it can't be understated. Like he takes a hit from Umardoth from for you, and then deals two damage to Umardoth. Like, that's just insane. He's good. Yeah, and and in multiplayer, that ability to assign damage to him. That I mean, you could potentially follow people around in the late game when they're getting up there and be kind of their emergency valve so that they don't get knocked out. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that you can protect other players. I'd totally flare for him. 
<laughs> and flare, that's the new Arkham pickup line. <laughs> so I put up a flare for you. Ten out of ten would flare again. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but uh, this is another ally that works really well with painkillers and smoking pipe because mm-hmm. if you've got him one horror or one damage away from from being able to pop, and you need to pop him, you don't have a way to get an enemy to attack you or someone else. Yeah, I don't know what situation that would call for, but. You can you can use painkillers or a smoking pipe to put a damage or horror on him to pop him. Sean, why don't so you good. why don't you read painkillers and smoking pipe? We'll kind of do them together because they're so me. Seems solid. All right, so painkillers is a neutral one cost level zero asset with a willpower pip. It is an item, which is important. It turns out uh, it has uses three supply. It is you. God, no, we need to we need to figure this out. I think guys. it's uses. uses uses three supplies i believe it yeah or it has three supplies as its uses okay anyway um free triggered action spend one supply exhaust painkillers and take a horror to heal one damage do not exceed the recommended dosage (laughs) and we have the other side of the coin smoking pipe which is also neutral one cost level zero asset willpower pip item Uses three supplies, free triggered action, spend one supply, exhaust smoking pipe, and take one damage to heal a horror. A good pipe can calm the most frazzled of nerves. These are fantastic neutral cards for this game to have. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got them early. Yeah. Because this this helps take a lot of pressure off of the investigators who are five nines or nine fives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pain There's can... also a lot of shenanigans. Yeah. There are shenanigans. Uh, why don't you take us through those shenanigans, Agnes? I mean, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> See, every time I try to explain this, I have to stop and think for 30 seconds to get the sequence right. Yeah. Um, but really, really, Agnes benefits, I think, the best from it. But really, the shenanigans comes in with uh, Leo, or not Leo. Peter. Peter Sylvester. Thank you. Um, so if you've got painkillers is the the main one. So if you've got painkillers out, you can use it, take a horror, put it on Pete Sylvester, heal a damage, and then Pete Sylvester heals that horror off at the end of the turn. Great. It's basically free healing. Now, if you also have Smoking Pipe out and you're playing Agnes, you can heal horror off her by taking damage, thus increasing her capacity to use her ability later on, and then do the Pete Sylvester painkillers combo to do damage you know, by itself right there. And you end at like a net neutral, like you didn't gain any horror, you didn't lose any horror, you just did free damage. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Are you calling the 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 build drug addict Agnes? Is that what you're going with? <laughs> I call it junkie Agnes. Junkie but, Agnes, uh, that's it, yes. Yeah. But it amounts to the same thing. But can you so, actually be a junkie on aspirin? Because that's what it says in the picture. It's just aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it is it is questionable. I, I'm just like to pretend like it's Percocet in an aspirin tin. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, hiding it from the cops. From the fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you don't label a, a, an over-the-counter drug tin like you know, opioid. <laughs> Should have the illicit I... trait. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the dead giveaway. Yeah. Oh, well, if, if my penguins are lulls is correct, apparently in the 1920s, aspirin came with codeine, ketamine, and fentanyl. Yeah, so yeah, let's go with that. Nice. Let's, let's pretend that's true. <laughs> nice Don't mixture. exceed the recommended dosage except <laughs> for when it's fun. I, I overlike these cards as like 
a cheap form of healing. Obviously, it's kind of healing combined with hurting you in another way. But like you said earlier, Sean, this is good for those imbalanced investigators. You know, whether you're Daisy and you want to, you're usually going to be running into damage trouble, you can kind of reverse that and use your pool of sanity or vice versa with someone like Roland. So it's, I don't know, the, it, it, if you can't afford the time or expense of healing, then I like that these are cheap, one cost, and then each use is just a free trigger. You're not wasting an action on it. So mm -hmm. I find them useful in that way. I find in my, in my solo Rex build, I pop in a painkiller, just one. Um, and that seems to do the job pretty well, just because he, like Daisy, has a huge sanity sink. Um, but a lot of enemies do damage. So this is, yeah, just basically moving three of his sanity over to the damage column um, or health column and yeah, really helps to even it out. Uh, for a moment there, I thought you said that he had a huge sandy sink and I'm looking at the <laughs> art going like, where's the sand? Yeah, there's no sand. <laughs> um, but another point of interest and, you know, like I mentioned when we were talking about Xavier is the, the damage or the horror that you take to heal can be placed on allies. So if you mm -hmm. know you're going to chump an ally and it's going to die anyway to the damage, and it also has a spare horror, well, sure, take the horror there, heal the damage off you, ally dies anyway, and you've kind of made a, a like a bandit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, I like these cards. They're good, they're nice little cards and options to have in the, in the early card pool, I think, to really take the pressure off Roland and Daisy, really. I've, I've included them in other investigators, but those are the main two I'm thinking about when it's like, oh god, they need a solution for that five. They're not super flashy cards, right? They're not a card you're going to look at and be like, whoa, this is so crazy. But it just adds more reliability and stability to a deck. And I think that can't be understated as, like, it is, it is so important to have reliable, sustainable actions within your deck to kind of keep your game going. Yeah, yeah, especially like, when you get hit by that like huge rotting remains hit or something yeah. that all of a sudden you get stuck with a big pool of horror and then at least you can deal with it in some way with these. Mm -hmm. So mm. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys vote. Who do you think made out best in this pack? Because this is a good pack. Mm. Lots of good cards in here. I gotta say, not Rogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Ian. I'm, def I'm definitely voting for Seeker for sure. Yeah. See, I think Seeker got the best package overall, but I mean, come on, delve too deep. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I think most... Okay, so I'll give it to Seeker overall. Favorite yeah. card in the pack is delve too deep. Let's go. Let's go there. I think my favorite card in the pack... Oh, jeez. There's three that I'm competing for. Uh, <laughs> I've got a plan. Pathfinder and Flare, I think, are just the bee's knees. But Ian, what's your favorite card out of the pack? Contraband? <sighs> <laughs> no delayed reaction I, I, I wish it I, I wish it was but no um i think i want to say i've got a plan I, I like just that bursty damage and seeker and i like the uh the portrait where apparently their plan revolves around electrifying the doorknob which is pretty cool <laughs> yeah, i'll find a, this pack may be mined for resources yeah, I think I might agree with you, Ian, actually, with I've got a plan. Oh, just so just because of what it adds to the the Seeker class, it adds an option, right? Like, Pathfinder's a really cool trick. Flare 
is awesome, but I've got a plan really adds something that they were super lacking. Yeah, it adds a, an amazing option for their worst aspect mm-hmm. prior to this point. Game changer. Yeah. Pretty good pack, though. Like, overall, there's a lot of middle to high-end quality cards. Mm-hmm. It's definitely what you would want in your first Mythos pack, that there's a lot of kind of like base pieces or pieces that aren't that high in XP cost that will be used for a long time, I think. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to two years down the road when contraband has become a staple and everyone teases <laughs> us for it. <laughs> it's like the steward of Gondor that no one saw. <laughs> um, so small talking point I thought I'd bring up, fully surprising you guys. Um, <gasps> from what we see in this pack and the packs we've seen released, it looks like we're not getting investigators in Mythos packs, as far as we know. So far are you guys happy with that not happy what's your your view on that i don't mean all, don't all answer I'm, once. <laughs> I'm of the mind that the more investigators the better mm-hmm. um i was the same way with netrunner like yeah all the ids all the time and in the in i don't know but i also understand why they want to be a little bit more measured with it because a there's the production complication that you have to produce mini cards too which is an entirely i'm sure different setup and complication to packaging these things mm-hmm. um you know we do get the big influx at once if they continue to stick to the deluxe only though i wouldn't mind the the odd i wouldn't mind the odd gator in you know mythos pack but i i personally don't see it happening yeah i think i overall feel the same way as i do about like I'm a big soccer fan, so the World Cup, it comes every four years. So part of me is like, oh, why doesn't it happen like every year? But then it would it be a special. I kind of feel that way about the investigators that it'd be nice to get them more often. But the fact they only come in deluxe expansions is going to really heighten the excitement for you know each new set that comes out. That being said, I did have the thought the other day of like, okay, the Carcosa investigators are coming and then it's going to be like another eight months or 10 months before we get new investigators after that. That's kind of crazy. So it's just thinking about how slowly the pool of investigators is going to grow. Um, Diana's so far away. Yeah. I I think that's the other thing is some of my favorite investigators in the Arkham files. Like it may be like five years before I actually get to play with them. So I don't know. I'm uh, I'm kind of a thought process that I, I understand what you guys are saying and new investigators are cool. I like I kind of like this, the pace at which we're getting them because I enjoy the varied builds that we can do with the investigators that we have because we're getting so many of these cards um, mm-hmm. that aren't investigator specific, right? Because investigator takes up three cards essentially and more because we saw the previews of the Carcosa pack. So... And like looking back at Conquest, they shoved a Warlord in pretty much every pack. And I kind of didn't like that because it, it basically limited the pool of cards that any Warlord or Investigator uh, could take. So I like the fact that we're getting all these cards and you're going to see, you know, like Hoover Rex, Solo Rex, like 19 different kinds of... Wait, hang on, there's a difference? <laughs> well, I guess Solo versus Multiplayer kind of thing. Uh, 19 <laughs> different builds of Agnes. I mean... I don't know. I, I like the variability in the in the investigators we're getting. So I think I'm on the opposite side of the fence. I like the pace at which we're getting them now. I thought I'd bring it up just as a talking point because I figured you guys would have a 
a different view on it than I would. Yeah, and it's it's kind of that thing, like you pointed out, like you know maybe what you want isn't what's best for you. Yeah, um, and I and I can accept that. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, that's the Miskatonic Museum. Whoop! Yeah. Thanks MP1. for joining us, everyone. That was fun. Really? That's your outro. I'm waiting for you to do the outro because you ruined my intro. Uh, oh no! Well, I'll I'll leave your outro alone. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, so this has been uh, the AV Club, a Mythos Busters production. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, I'll do the same thing that Sean does and forget all the ways. Uh, but mostly <laughs> Facebook, um, Mythos Busters, just search that on Facebook. A lot of us are, or what's our email, Sean? Our email is mythosbusterspod at gmail.com. Uh, there's also our Discord channel. Just search Mythos Busters. You can find our channel. It's super fun. It's super active. Or sorry, our server. I'm Sage on there. S-A-E-J. You can find that at discord.me. Slash Mythos Busters. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, 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 and we have a new thing. We have a new thing. We have a new thing. I'm so <gasps> excited. Yeah, I know. We got is, a new is thing. Is that thing okay. happening? That thing is happening. Yes! We're right now. We're going in raw. Okay. So... All props to Mr. Trench, uh, Casey, a friend from Arkham Knights and in our Discord server, and he's usually here on Twitch too, though I'm not sure if we saw him today. Um, We have a new feature to our podcast, which I'm very excited at the the prospect of. So if you guys have a comment, a question, if you have rage at something we said during a podcast or during uh, one of the AV clubs and you just need to unload on us, we have a way for you to do that now. I'd like to introduce, and you're hearing it here before the actual podcast, the Mythos Busters Hotline. Yeah! So you can call this number and leave us a message. Uh, And the idea is that we will play some or all, depending on how many we get of these messages on air, uh, either in the AV Club or on the podcast proper. Either just play them and let them be self-contained. If it's just a comment, answer a question if it's a question. If you... If you rage at us and it's funny, we'll probably put it on too. So if you have such a thing, call us at 203-493-MYTH. That's 203-493-MYTH. Wow, we actually got myth in there. We got myth. Oh my goodness, yes. All right, well, that that's all I had. Close it out, buddy. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, catch us on Sunday for a... Real live Mythos Busters actual podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs>